This is Solid Foundation Ministries with Dr. Pierre Couvert, building solid foundations through sound Bible teaching. Good morning and welcome back to Solid Foundation Ministry. Last week I dealt with why America is failing. This was the beginning of a series I want to do on the principles upon which our nation was founded. Today I want to deal with what the Founding Fathers thought about religion, and in particular, Christianity. There are about 250 people who would be considered Founding Fathers, and most of their names are not known to most of us. I'm only going to deal with those who are the most familiar. Our text for this series is Psalm 33:12, which says, Blessed is the nation whose God is the Lord, and the people whom he hath chosen for his inheritance. You can't have a nation whose God is the Lord unless you have people whose God is the Lord. That said, what did our founding fathers think about God, Jesus Christ, and the Christian religion? Let's start with the man who is often called the father of our nation, George Washington. George Washington was, first of all, the leader of the Continental Army in the Revolutionary War. Then he was the commander-in-chief or the president of the United States. These following three quotes were made to his troops. Here's the first one. While we are zealously performing the duties of good citizens and soldiers, we certainly ought not to be inattentive to the higher duties of religion. Through the distinguished character of a patriot, it should be our highest glory to add the more distinguished character of a Christian. Our first president understood the importance of being good citizens and good soldiers, but he also understood that this was not possible without Christian character. 1 Corinthians chapter 10 verse 31 says, Whether therefore ye eat or drink, or whatsoever ye do, do all to the glory of God. As Christians we are to do everything to bring glory to God. This means that we are to do things that make God look good. And it doesn't matter how small of a thing it is, even eating and drinking should be done in such a way that it brings glory to God. Here's his next quote. You do well to wish to learn our arts and ways of life, and above all, the religion of Jesus Christ. These will make you a greater and happier person than you are. He was uh, expressing the principle found in Psalms 144, verse 15. It says, Happy is that people that such is the case. Happy is that people whose God is the Lord. And such is the case. He was talking about those who were seeking the blessings of God. To be truly happy, you must have God as your Lord. In this next quote, he tells his desire for his truths. He says, The blessing and protection of heaven are at all times necessary, but especially so in times of public distress and danger. The general, talking about himself, hopes and trusts that every officer and man will endeavor to live and act as becomes a Christian soldier, defending the dearest rights and liberties of his country. A similar thought is 
taught by Paul when he's talking to uh, Timothy in Second T- Timothy chapter 3, verses 3 and 4. Since thou therefore endure hardness as a good soldier of Jesus Christ, no man that warreth entangleth himself in the affairs of this life, that he may please him who hath chosen him to be a soldier. George Washington understood that every uh, one of his troops needed to d- display that Christian character. That's his officers and enlisted men. They need to live and act as becomes a Christian soldier. It was the only manner that our rights and liberties could be ensured. It is impossible, and I'll be covering this on and off over this series, but it's impossible to have true freedom and not have the Christian religion because man is not as how could I say, good as we want to think he is naturally. We are broken. We, uh, we're broken at the fall and our hearts are evil. The next founding father that I want to look at is John Adams. He said, suppose a nation in some distant region should take the Bible for their only law book and every member should regulate his concepts by the uh, precepts there exhibited. Every member would be obliged in conscience to temperance, frugality, and industry, to justice, kindness, and charity towards his fellow men, and to piety, love, and reverence toward Almighty God. What a utopia, what a paradise this region would be. In Matthew chapter 22, a lawyer came to uh, tempt Jesus and get him to say something that would uh, give justification to have him put to death, and he had an answer, but John Adams understood that answer just as well. Here's the passage from Matthew 22, 36 through 40. Master, which is the great commandment in the law? Jesus said unto him, Thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thy heart, and with all thy soul, and with all thy mind. This is the first and great commandment. And the second is like unto it, Thou shalt love thy neighbor as thyself. On these two commandments hang all the law and prophets. Any society that makes these commandments the guide for its laws and precepts will be blessed. Adams called this kind of society a paradise. America, until the beginning of the 20th century, came very close to being this kind of society. Many of the precepts of our founders still endure. This is why so many still want to come to America. However, if you're paying any attention to the news, we're fast losing those precepts, and we can expect God's wrath and judgment on us if we don't do something about it. Here's his next quote. quote, We have no government armed with power capable of contending with the human passions unbridled by morality and religion. Our Constitution was made only for a moral and religious people. It is wholly inadequate for the government of any other. There are many in our nation who believe that man is basically good. Adams understood that this was not so. Man's heart is anything but good because it is corrupted by sin. The heart is deceitful above all things and desperately wicked. Who can know it? That's from Jeremiah chapter 17 and verse 9. We need to understand that we are not basically good. Something must control the passions of man or society will be totally corrupt and evil. The founders understood that. If we are to have freedom, that something had to be Christian precepts. 
Socialism is the idea that all will work for the benefit of the community. It assumes that everyone will put more into the pot than he takes out. It can only work where the liberties of the people are suppressed because man is basically selfish and will put in as little as he can and take out as much as he can. Here's his next quote. The general principles upon which the fathers achieved independence were the general principles of Christianity. I will avow that I then believed and now believe that those general principles of Christianity are as eternal and immutable as the existence and attributes of God. Adams believed that the principles of Christianity were eternal and unchangeable and that the blessings of God would come upon those who would follow them. Here's what James had to say in chapter 1 verse 17 of his epistle. Every good gift and every perfect gift is from above and cometh down from the Father of lights with whom is no variableness neither shadow of turning. We need to understand that God doesn't change. His principles don't change. If something was wrong according to God a hundred years ago, it's still wrong today. If it was wrong to uh, have sex outside of marriage, a hundred years ago, it's still wrong today. If it was wrong to uh, live in these different lifestyles, as they like to call them today, if it was wrong uh, in Bible times, it's still wrong to get today. God and his principles never change. The next man I want to look at is Thomas Jefferson. Thomas Jefferson is credited by the modern historians as being a godless man who did not believe in the in the principles of Christianity. Listen to this first quote. God who gave us life gave us liberty. And can the liberties of a nation be thought secure when we have removed their only firm basis, a conviction in the minds of the people that these liberties are of a gift of God? But they are not to be violated but with his wrath. Indeed, I tremble for my country when I reflect that God is just and his justice cannot sleep forever. Jefferson feared that God's wrath would come upon this nation if we departed from uh, God's principles. I fear that we have reached that point already and uh, we can expect God's judgment to come soon. Listen to what it says in Jeremiah chapter 6 and verse 19. Hear, O earth, behold, I will bring evil upon this people, even the fruit of their thoughts, because they have not hearkened unto my words, nor to my law, but rejected it. Folks, that's where we are in America. He was talking about Israel of old, but we can expect the same things here today. Now, as far as Jefferson's um, Christianity, here's what he had to say on the subject. I don't care what the modern-day historical revisionists have to say. Here's what he had to say. He said, I am a real Christian, that is to say, a disciple of the doctrines of Jesus Christ. Many try to tell us that Jefferson was not a Christian, but just let his words speak for themselves. The next person I want to look at is John Hancock. He's the one that signed big across the bottom of the Declaration of Independence, was the first signer of it. And here's what he had to say. Resistance to tyranny becomes the Christian and social duty of each individual. Continue steadfast and with proper sense of your dependence on God. Nobly defend those rights which heaven gave and no man ought to take from us. By the way, let me say this. You're not going to remember all these quotes, but this article on this will be posted on my website, solidfoundationministries.com. 
Our nation was founded upon the fact that God has given us certain rights and liberties. Hancock understood the importance of this. And here's what John uh, had to say about it in chapter 8, verse 32. And ye shall know the truth, and the truth shall make you free. It is only when we know the truth of, of God's principles and apply them in our lives that we can have true freedom. The next man I want to look at is Benjamin Franklin. Benjamin Franklin, we're told, was a deist. And that's not completely untrue, especially in his younger years. A deist is someone who believes that God created everything, got it all started, got wound up the, the spring, if you, if you will, and then just turned it loose and let it run itself. And they say that's what Benjamin Franklin believed. They believed he wasn't involved in the founding of this nation. Well, here's what Benjamin Franklin himself had to say. Here is my creed. I believe in one God, the creator of the universe, that he governs by his providence and that he ought to be worshipped. Now, if he governs by his providence, he hasn't just walked off and left things. He's still in control of things. But uh, he was considered another one that the, the revisionists want to tell us was not a, a God-fearing man. But his own word tell us that he did fear God and that he believed that God was involved in the affairs of men. And the reason these people are doing that is they want to separate us from our Christian heritage. The next man I want to look at is Samuel Adams. Here's what he said. And as it is our duty to extend our wishes of happiness to the great family of man, we cannot better express ourselves than by humbly supplicating the supreme ruler of, of the world that the rods of tyrants may be broken to pieces and the oppressed made free again and the wars may cease in all the earth and the confusions that are and have been among nations may be overruled by promoting and specially bringing on that holy and happy period when the kingdom of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ may be everywhere established, all people everywhere be willing to bow to the scepter of him who is the Prince of Peace. In this quote, he is saying that we should supplicate or pray to God for these principles that he's standing for. And here's what it says in a very familiar passage, Second Chronicles 7:14. If my people, that would be Christians today, which are called by my name, shall humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, then I will hear from heaven and will forgive their sins and will heal, heal their land. If America wants to be healed or if we want our nation to be healed, we've got to stop li listening to those who are trying to remake America into something that it never was. We need to turn our, our uh, spirits and our hearts back to God. We need to get back to his word and living by the principles that are found therein. There's no other way to save this nation. God is going to judge us as he must judge us because he is a just God if we continue to rebel against his principles. Listen to this next quote. The name of the Lord, says the scriptures, is a strong tower. Thither the righteous flee and are safe. Proverbs 18.10 Let us secure his favor and he will lead us through the journey of this life and at length receive us to a better. Here's what Proverbs 18.10 that he mentioned says. It says, The name of the Lord is a strong tower. The righteous runneth to it 
and is safe. If I stumble a little bit in these quotes, remember they're written in a different style than we speak today. The next person I want to look at is James Madison. James Madison is called the father of our Constitution. He's the main author of it and uh, uh, a man that well, he's the man that got us the Bill of Rights and our freedom of religion. But here, here's what he said. A watchful eye must be kept on ourselves, lest while we are building ideal monuments of renown and bliss, we neglect to have our names enrolled in the annals of heaven. Now, isn't he saying something there that's very similar to what we as Baptists believe, that we need to... Uh, come to God on his uh, terms through Jesus Christ so that our names can be written in the book of life that we might have heaven. I think that's what he's talking about. And here's what uh, Mark said in chapter 8 verse 36. For what shall it profit a man if he shall gain the whole world and lose his own soul? Folks, if we neglect our souls, we can have this whole world. We can be the richest man in the world. And, and, And it's worthless at the end because Folks, I haven't seen anybody leave this world except through death. That's the way we all go. It comes upon all of us. And uh, the older you get, the more real that idea becomes. And we need to understand that someday we're going to stand before God in judgment. And we need to live a life that leads us towards having that judgment be a good judgment that we get to spend eternity with Christ and that's not the purpose of my broadcast but we need to come on his terms and it's going to get, uh, profit us nothing if we build all these big monuments and stuff and uh, in the end we lose our souls listen to this next quote I have sometimes thought there uh, could not be a stronger testimony in favor of religion or against temporal en- enjoyments even the most rational and manly than for a man for men who occupy the most honorable and gainful departments and who are rising in reputation and wealth publicly to declare their unsatisfactoriness by becoming fervent advocates of the cause of Christ great men who support liberty must also be fervent advocates of the doctrines of Christ and getting the gospel out. As a matter of fact, I could give you quote after quote where that's where the founding fathers, uh, well, that was part of their purpose was was getting the gospel out. As a matter of fact, many of those who came to America were looking for freedom so that they could get the gospel out. That's what it was all about. Uh, Listen to this uh, quote from Psalms 119. It says, And I will walk at liberty, for I seek thy precepts. I will speak of thy testimonies also before kings. I will not be ashamed. I will delight myself in thy commandments, which I have loved. My hands also will I lift up unto thy commandments, which I have loved, and I will meditate in thy statutes. Folks, how many of us really take much time to meditate in the statutes of God, in the in the things of God, in the principles of God, and think about how they affect our lives? That's what it's talking about here. It says, I will walk in liberty. Why? For or because I seek thy precepts. Liberty only comes when we follow the precepts of God. Man is basically selfish. Man is basically concerned with what he's going to get out of things. And as long as we 
uh, ignore the principles of God and don't live according to those principles, we can be sure that liberty will soon flee from us. And it's happening in America. Just look, they're trying to take away our right to free speech. They're trying to take away our right to, to worship as we want. They're uh, trying to take away our right to believe what we want. They're trying to take away our, our Second Amendment rights and other rights. They're trying to control us. The whole purpose of the left in the in this country and in the world is to control us and they can only do that if they take away our rights they can't allow us to have freedoms if they want the power that they're seeking we need to keep that in in mind especially this year it's an election year and i'm going to talk more of that later on in this series but uh, we need to understand why this nation was founded it was founded for uh, liberty and it was founded on christian principles and you cannot have true liberty without christian principles the next person I want to look at is John Quincy Adam. In his, this first quote, he says, The hope of a Christian is inseparable from his faith. Whosoever believes in the divine inspiration of the Holy Scriptures must hope that the religion of Jesus Christ shall prevail through, uh, throughout the whole earth. Never since the foundation of the world have the prospects of mankind been more encouraging to that hope than they appear to be at this present time. And may the associated distribution of the Bible proceed and prosper till the Lord shall have made bare his holy arm in the eyes of the nation and all the ends of the earth shall see the salvation of our God. John Quincy Adams believed that this nation was going to be the uh, tool used by God to spread the gospel throughout the world. And he was saying that that was the only way that we were going to have any kind of, of real enjoyment upon this earth and peace. And God needed to bear his holy arm in the eyes of the nations. Here's what uh, Isaiah 52.10 says on that. The Lord hath made bare his holy arms in the eyes of all na the nations, and the ends of the earth shall see the salvation of our God. The mighty arm of, of Jehovah, which is... Uh, Lord here is manifest in his word. It must be sent out to the whole world. If we don't send the gospel out to the world, we are shirking, shirking our duties both as Christians and as a nation. It is our job to spread the gospel around the world and to make this world a better place to live. Sadly, when we read the Bible, we find out that it's probably not going to happen. That Well, it's for sure not going to happen that way. Uh, things are going to wax worse and worse as the way the Bible puts it. But we should do all we can to fight that and, and to get the gospel out and to help as many people to live happy, productive lives in serving God and ensure themselves an eternity in heaven rather than in hell. Now, if this quote doesn't show you that the founders of this nation uh, believe that our nation was built upon uh, Christian principles, just listen to what he had to say here. It says, the Declaration of Independence laid the cornerstone of human government upon the first precepts of Christianity. He tells us clearly that the Declaration of Independence was based upon Christian principles, and that was the, the basis for human government. If we want a good government, we need to have uh, Christian principles. No other principles will ever give us a good government. 
The next man I want to look at is Patrick Henry. Patrick Henry is known for having said, give me liberty or give me death. But that's not the best quote that we could possibly have from, although I agree with it. It's a good one. Um, here's a quote I want us to hear. It cannot be emphasized too strongly or too often that this great, na great nation was founded not by religionists, but by Christians, not on religions, but on the gospel of Jesus Christ. For this very reason, people of other faiths have been offered asylum, prosperity, and freedom of worship here. The freedoms we enjoy today are based on Christian principles. Actually, they're based on Baptist principles, which are biblical principles. All of the other uh, denominations at that time believed that you should have a state church and that uh, that your religion should be legislated by the state. But uh, it was the Baptists, and we're going to talk more about this next week, that, that brought these men into the uh, belief that we should have freedom of faith. Uh, listen to this next quote from Patrick Henry. The Bible is a book worth more than all the other books that were ever printed. That's how important he thought the Bible was. It was more important than all the other books ever printed. It's surely the bestseller. It's surely the book that's done more to change people's lives than any other book. And it is worth more than all the other books combined that have ever been written. And a whole lot more books have been written now than when Patrick Henry made this statement. Now listen to this last quote of his. This is all the inheritance I can give my dear family. The religion of Christ can give them one which will make them rich indeed. He said that the best inheritance he could give to his family was the religion of Jesus Christ. It's an eternal gift. It's a gift that never ends. It's eternal blessings in heaven. What better gift could you give than that? You can give your family all the money. You can have all the the, the $60 billion of, of Bloomberg and leave that all to your family when you leave this earth. And if they don't have Christ, that's all a waste. I want to look at one more person here, and this person is very important today with all the issues on the court. This is John Jay. John Jay was the first Chief Justice of the U.S. Supreme Court. He was also the President of the American Bible Society. Listen to what he had to say. By conveying the Bible to people thus circumstance, we certainly do them a most interesting kindness. We thereby enable them to learn that man was originally created and placed in a state of happiness, but becoming disobedient was subjected to the degradation and evils which he and his posterity have since experienced. The Bible will also inform them that our gracious Creator has provided for us a Redeemer in whom all the nations of this earth shall be blessed that this Redeemer has made atonement for the sins of the whole world, and thereby reconciling the divine justice with the divine mercy, has opened a way for our redemption and salvation, and that these inestimable benefits are of the free gift and grace of God, and not of our deserving, nor our power to deserve. Wow, could you... Imagine a better gospel message coming from somebody who is the Chief Justice of the United States Supreme Court. Today they say we can't even mention Jesus in, in public affairs, but here we have the first uh, Chief Justice telling us that we need the Bible 
to convey uh, the condition of man and to show that God has provided a Savior and that we need to come to him, not because we deserve it, but seeking his mercy and his grace. Grace, what a statement. Then he gives here in this next quote good advice on how to determine what you believed. He said, Informing and settling my belief relative to the doctrines of Christianity, I adopted no articles from creeds, but such only as, on careful examination, I found to be confirmed by the Bible. Don't take what everybody else tells you. Go to the Bible and find out what you uh, should believe. Let me conclude by saying this. None of those that I have quoted in this message today were Baptists. All of them belong to mainline Protestant churches. All of them believe these things even though they were contrary to the doctrines of the churches to which they belonged. Next week I'm going to look at what influenced them to disagree with the doctrines of these mainline Protestant churches. You want to be sure that you don't miss any these broadcasts that I'm doing in this series. They are extremely important in our present age. If you should happen to miss them, they're available on my podcast and you can get a link to that from my website solidfoundationministries.com. That's solidfoundationministries.com. You'll find them in the uh, right-hand column near the top. You'll have a list of all the recent ones or 15 of them, but there are all of our broadcasts are put on that website so that you can get them if you miss them. Be sure to follow these because we live in difficult times and if we want to know how we're going to survive these times as Christians and what's necessary for us to to see our nation healed, we'll need to understand the principles I'll be covering. You have been listening to Solid Foundation Ministries from Lenore, North Carolina. Dr. Kuvert has 35 years in the ministry as a former missionary and pastor. He is available for revivals and various conferences on missions, Bible, Baptist heritage, and the family. To find out more, go to our website, solidfoundationministries.com, or call 828-244-6505. Remember, the Christian life is not about you. It's about God receiving the glory.